lecture three part three of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture three on the difficulties of virtue part three three things are required for the cultivation of the virtues the first is to know what we must believe the second what we must desire the third what we must do to obtain what we desire faith exhibits the motives of the virtues their divine example and their law and that our faith may be secure christ has deposited its whole truth in his church and has invested her with his authority to teach the faith with unfailing certainty among other reasons that in hearing the church we may have the beginnings of humility and in obeying the church we may progress in humility he himself also helps the interior man with light and strength to see and cleave to the unchangeable truth which he has given to his church this is the wonderful proof of his continued power on the earth known only to the faithful that the inward light that he gives to souls accords in all things with the outward teaching of his church and that his inward gift of sacred force agrees with the outward commands to obedience we are brought from the pursuit of evil to the desire of good by two mighty influences the first wakens up the conscience to the fear of god the dread of his judgments and the terror of his punishments the fear of god represses the force of concupiscence brings down the elation of pride shakes us out of our self-confidence drives sin away and awakens the desire to return to god the fear of god brings down those selfish guilty human fears that make us shrink from approaching the justice of god the fear of god fills the heart with contrition breaks up the habits of evil disposes the heart to trust in god's mercy and prepares it for the seeds of good the fear of god humbles the soul and prepares her for chastisement but though fear refrains the soul from evil it will not make her just after the spiritual being has been ploughed and harrowed by fear it must be cleansed before it can be planted and made fruitful with better things how is this spiritual being to be cleansed by penance and the blood of christ in his sacrament of reconciliation humility must go before charity because god resisteth the proud but giveth his grace to the humble st james chapter four verse six love and pride are incompatible things and divine love can never consort with human pride they essentially exclude each other whilst yet under fear we are in a servile condition incapable as yet of any good that can bring a heavenly reward but when the sacrament of reconciliation brings the grace of charity we are set free and are made the children of god 
the second mighty influence therefore which succeeds the first is the most gracious gift of charity the grace of justification which restores the soul to the friendship of god the whole object and intention of the law of god is that we should adhere to him and this adhesion is chiefly through love there are two things in man by which when divinely helped he is able to adhere to god by his mind and his will for by his inferior nature he is not able to adhere to god through his mind he adheres to god by faith but by his will he completes his adhesion to god but the will may adhere to god in either of two ways that are very different from fear or with love to adhere to god from fear is to adhere to him for a reason different from himself this reason is to escape from impending evil but to adhere to god with love is to adhere to him for his own sake the love of god is therefore the most powerful way of adhering to god and is therefore the whole intent and final end of the divine law the end of the law is also to make men good but a man is good when his will is good for his good will brings all the good that is in him into action his good will is that in him that desires to be united with good and especially with the greatest good which is his final end the more he wills this good the better he is but what he wills from fear has in it a mixture of unwillingness as when a man parts with his goods to save his life the love of god as he is the supreme good is that therefore which makes the soul good and as that supreme good has no limit or measure the law of this good is to love god without stint or measure and as this love is the end of the whole law of justice upon which every virtue is formed all the virtues to be perfect should be the servants of the love of god hence we are taught that the end of the precept is charity one timothy chapter one verse five and that this is the greatest and the first commandment thou shalt love the lord thy god with thy whole heart and with thy whole soul and with thy whole mind st matthew chapter twenty two verses thirty seven and thirty eight hence as the law of christ is the perfect law it is called the law of love and as the imperfect law the old law is called the law of fear from the presence of the love of god in the soul four wonderful effects will follow the first is spiritual life derived from god and pervading the soul for the grace of charity is a certain participation of god and st john says he who abideth in charity abideth in god and god in him one john chapter four verse sixteen it is the nature of charity to change the affections of the soul into the affections of him who is loved hence the true love of god makes us like to god 
for which reason St. Paul tells the Corinthians that he who adheres to the Lord is one spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. As the body can neither live nor move without the soul, the soul has neither divine life nor anything that reaches to divine life without the charity of God. The second effect of charity is the keeping of the divine commandments, for the justice of charity moves us to fulfill all justice. It penetrates all the powers to make them the instruments of justice. The love of God is never idle, observes St. Gregory. Wheresoever it is, it works great things. If it refuses to work, it is not love. Love, therefore, fulfills the whole law. And as our Lord says, He who loveth me will keep my word. The third effect of charity is to keep us from evil. No adversities can injure those who love God. On the contrary, they help to increase the flame of charity. Charity is strong to heal injury, but not to inflict injury. It is faithful to eternity, but not to vanity. Adversities detach the loving soul from all that is not God, and concentrate the affections with greater earnestness in the exercise of charity. As external trials augment the intensity of human love, they much more increase the intensity and sweetness of divine love. The fourth effect of charity is to bring us to our beatitude in God. This is only promised to those who love God above all things. There is laid up for me, says St. Paul, a crown of justice, which the Lord, the just judge, will render to me in that day, and not only to me, but to them also who love his coming. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 As the grace of charity is the foundation of the grace of glory, the degree of glory will be proportioned to the degree of charity, for the greater works are done from greater charity, and he who loveth much, to him much will be given. The blessed vision of God is promised to love by our Lord himself. If any one loveth me, he shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. St. John chapter 14 verse 21 Great love, moreover, kindles great desire, which gives the soul a larger aptitude and disposition for the light of glory. There are other effects of charity that ought not to be forgotten. The very first of these is the remission of sins. There will be no difficulty in understanding this if we only reflect that even among men, if one has much offended another, and afterwards regrets the offence, and devotes himself with love to the person offended, the good heart readily forgives the offence. But God is infinitely good, and has no desire to see our sins estrange us from him, but gives us his love that we may return to his friendship. 
saint peter therefore tells us that charity covereth a multitude of sins one peter chapter four verse eight whilst solomon says in the proverbs that charity covereth all sins proverbs chapter ten verse twelve but should any one think this is a reason why he should not do penance for his sins let him reflect that not only must penance prepare the soul for the love of god but that there can be no real love of god without the most bitter regret and repentance for having offended him who is worthy of all love and that the more we love god the more grieved we must be that we ever displeased his divine goodness and lost his love charity also illuminates the heart with wisdom and gives us the sense of god for where is charity there is the spirit of god whose unction teacheth us of all things by nature we are in darkness as to the good we ought to pursue but the holy spirit of love is the spirit of wisdom and understanding and when he dwells in us and spreads abroad his love in our hearts he suggests to us whatever we need for our sanctification hence ecclesiasticus says ye who fear the lord love him and your hearts shall be enlightened ecclesiasticus chapter two verse ten charity perfects the joy of the heart no one knows of what joy the heart is capable who knows not the love of god to be without charity is not to have god in one's life to have great desires and to have nothing proportioned to those desires is the cause of weariness restlessness and discontent but to have the charity of god is the first beginning of beatitude the present pledge of the future joy the commencement of union with god and the happy expectation of more perfect union consequently charity gives peace to the soul for whoever loves god above all things rests his heart on the eternal peace god is greater than our heart he can fill all our desires and when the heart knows this the nearer it draws to the divine fountain of good the more it finds repose charity also gives dignity to the soul making her the living temple of god wherein the spirit of god dwells to work our sanctification in the words of st paul the spirit himself beareth witness to our spirit that we are the sons of god and if sons heirs also heirs indeed of god and joint heirs with christ yet so if we suffer with him that we may be also glorified with him romans chapter eight verses sixteen and seventeen all these considerations unite in commending the inestimable value of charity as the gift above all gifts that does all things for the soul our one work in this life to which all things else are secondary is to obtain to augment and to perfect within us the love of god 
but we must keep in mind that charity can never come from oneself it can only come from god st john expresses this truth in most clear and definite terms every one he says who loveth is born of god and knoweth god he that loveth not knoweth not god for god is charity by this hath the charity of god appeared towards us because god hath sent his only begotten son into the world that we may live by him in this is charity not as though we had loved god but because he hath first loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins one john chapter four verses seven through ten charity is the greatest of divine gifts but to receive this gift or any large increase of it requires certain dispositions on our part two things especially dispose us to receive the gift of charity and two things dispose us to receive it in greater abundance the first thing that disposes us to receive the divine gift is the diligent hearing and reflecting upon the divine word for we only desire the good that we know and we desire it the more the more earnestly we reflect upon it the sacred scriptures compare the word of god to an enkindling fire and being the word of the holy spirit it must enkindle the heart into which it enters when after his resurrection our lord expounded the scriptures to his two disciples they knew him not at the time but after he had revealed himself and departed they said to one another was not our heart burning within us whilst he spoke on the way and opened to us the scriptures st luke chapter twenty four verse thirty two when st peter preached in the house of cornelius the holy ghost fell upon all them that heard the word acts chapter ten verse forty four the second preparation is to humble the soul into greater subjection under the mighty hand of god in fear in self-abjection in repentance in the cry of the heart the soul makes known her conscious miseries and her desire to return to god and he will exalt her in the day of visitation but let it be plainly understood that we cannot return to god unless we return first into ourselves god is everywhere but not everywhere to us there is but one point in the universe where god communicates with us and that is the centre of our own soul there he waits for us there he meets us there he speaks to us to seek him therefore we must enter into our own interior when the prophet isaiah called upon the people to return to god this was his cry and now ye transgressors return to the heart isaiah chapter forty six verse eight the psalmist sings to god thy law is in the midst of my heart psalm thirty nine verse nine and our lord emphatically tells us the kingdom of god is within you 
st luke chapter 10 verse 21 when the soul enters into herself she begins to know herself her shortcomings and her wants are before her eyes and god shows her what to do and what to ask of him the humbled heart is opened the grace of god enters and his love is desired for hard must that soul be and hard with pride that knowing what she is and what god is to her has no real desire to love him who has loved her so much and whose love is so great a good two things also we have said are required to dispose the soul for receiving greater charity god is always ready to augment the gift of life where he finds the soul prepared but charity must be always proportioned to self-renunciation in the nature of things this must be so if the capacity of the will to love god is pre-engaged if only one part of the affections is given to god whilst the other part is kept back in the interest of self-love it is evident that this second part of us is neither open nor disposed for receiving an increase of the divine gift of charity the obstacles caused by self-love and earthly desires must be moved out of the way that the recesses of the spirit may be opened for the larger entrance of the gift of life these obstacles are described in the well-known words of st john love not the world nor the things which are in the world if any one love the world the charity of the father is not in him for all that is in the world is the concupiscence of the flesh the concupiscence of the eyes and the pride of life which is not of the father but is of the world st john chapter two verses fifteen and sixteen what injures charity as st augustine observes is the hope of gaining and the desire of holding the things of time diminish cupidity and you will increase charity let cupidity cease and charity will be perfect for the root of all evil is cupidity to increase charity you must therefore lessen cupidity the second thing required to dispose the soul for greater charity is a profounder humility for it is to humility that charity is given for god can only give greater life to a soul that is empty of herself and is subject in her inmost powers to him but of this we shall speak fully later on charity is not only the greatest noblest and most fruitful commandment but is the fulfilment of all commandments whatsoever besides its eternal foundation in god whom to know is to love and whom to know more is to love more besides its foundation in the eternal order of justice which is the form and measure of charity besides its foundation in the supreme superiority of the divine good over created good besides its foundation in the relations of the soul as a living subject with god as her divine object the law of loving god above all things 
rests upon these four considerations arising from our human nature the first consideration is that of the divine benefits we have received all that we are and all that we have that with them we may serve the divine author of them and may love him with our whole heart gratitude has never a strong hold on the heart unless it springs from love of the divine giver of all things when king david offered up the contributions of the people to build the temple it was from the deep sense of what he owed to god that he poured forth his gratitude thine o lord is magnificence and power and glory and victory and to thee is praise for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine thine is the kingdom o lord and thou art above all princes thine are riches and thine is glory thou hast dominion over all in thy hand is power and might in thy hand greatness and the power of all things now therefore our god we give thanks to thee and we praise thy glorious name who am i and what is my people that we should be able to promise thee all these things all things are thine and we have given thee what we have received from thy hand one paralipomenon chapter twenty nine verses eleven through fourteen there is no more certain proof of a great love of god than habitual and earnest gratitude the second consideration is our incapacity of ever doing complete justice to the divine excellence for even though we love god with our whole heart mind and strength we can never give him the love that is due to his goodness glorify the lord as much as you can says ecclesiasticus for he will yet far exceed and his magnificence is wonderful when you exalt him put forth all your strength and be not weary for you can never go far enough ecclesiasticus chapter forty three verses thirty two through thirty four the third consideration is the renunciation of worldly things it is a great injustice and injury to god to put anything here below on an equality with him but we put corruptible things on an equality with god when we love them equally with god when we say that he is a jealous god we know that his jealousy is his justice in justice he can suffer no rival in the love that we owe him if we love the creature with the kind of love which belongs to god alone he will leave the soul and the soul will collapse upon the creature the love of him is his gift and its ardent power aspires to carry the heart back with it unto him charity is also a power that enables us to love all things better in god than in themselves to love all things in the order in which god loves them through the virtue of divine charity is the secret of using them as though we use them not the fourth consideration regards the powers with which god has provided us that we may love him as it becomes a spiritual creature to love her creator redeemer
provider and sanctifier our powers are our mind heart soul and strength thou shalt love the lord thy god with thy whole heart with thy whole soul with all thy mind and with all thy strength whatever we are doing whatever virtue we are exerting we must make the love of god our first and chief intention give to the love of god the full energy of our soul enlighten that energy with the highest motives in our mind and sustain that loving energy with the fortitude of our will against all that might weaken its ardour then will every virtue as it is graced ordinated and ruled by charity grow strong pleasant and victorious add these considerations one to another ponder them in your heart and they will bring you the overwhelming conviction that charity conquers all the difficulties of virtue every advance in charity is the mastering of some difficulty whilst perfect charity is the conquest of all difficulties end of lecture three part three